So good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, as Tony said, my name is Dean Woolley. I'm one of the elders. Um, you know, as the elder over house churches, I get do get this chance each, you know, once a year to, to speak about our house churches and to, to talk about something that God's laid on my heart related to our house churches. And I was sharing with my house church on Wednesday night that, you know, just to be praying for me as I delivered this message and and I said, you know, it's House Church Sunday, and once somebody said, again, already? It's like, it seems like we just had that. But, you know, we do it, we only do it once a year, about, you know, about this time every year. Um, but, again, I've done it, you know, been speaking on these Sundays for, you know, five or six years probably before we... Um, so, so I want to share something that God's laid on my heart. And I'm going to tie it, hopefully it'll tie to house churches. You'll see the connection. And, and towards the end, I want to introduce our house church leaders and give them each two or three minutes to come up and talk about why they do it. You know, why do they spend the time? Why do they spend the energy? Why do they spend the effort to do house churches? Because having been doing this for many, many years as a house church leader, I can tell you, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort to do, to do it. So there's something to it, you know, some motivation in their heart driving them to do it. And I want them to share that with you. Um, so I started praying about this a few months ago because I knew it was coming. And at some point, I got these words, you know, I felt like these, in my prayer time, I felt like these were the words God gave me. Bridge slash unite the generations in our church, in our homes, and in our families. So that's what I've been praying into for the last couple of months, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. So let me, let me preface this with a, with a quote from uh, one of the great philosophers of our time, Mike Baxter from Last Man Standing. Back in 2016, one of the shows he had said, worry less about who you might offend and care more about who you might inspire. Okay, so take that to heart that I'm not intending to offend anybody. I'm intending to inspire. <laughs> but if you get offended, I apologize. Um, so how many in here have ever used a rotary phone. Okay, fair amount. And I suspect there's some in here, some maybe some of the younger ones that have never seen one, maybe other than in a picture. Um, and on the other on the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's lots of people that live and die by their cell phones today, or their you know their computers or their laptop or whatever it may be. You know, if you go five miles away from your home and you realize, oh, I forgot my phone, you're going to turn around and go home and get it, even though you're going to be late, you know, because that's, it's that important to you. Um, and on the other end of that, there's probably some in here. My mom was this way. She didn't want nothing to do with cell phones, you know, she... She didn't want any. Didn't want to know how to turn one on. Didn't want to know how to use one. You know. 
Um, there's a generation of folks in here who had fun with a pet rock. Uh, that was part of my generation. I never got it. Um, there's also a generation in here that, you know, maybe a little bit younger than, than the generation of the pet rock that had the, they call the Tamagotchis, the you know, Kamagotchis. See, I can't even, don't even know what it is. Um, that, you know, little computerized pets that you have to feed and take care of and see how long you can keep them alive. Again, I didn't get it. Um, but the thing is, you know, every generation seems to look down, every looks down at the younger generation. And then simultaneously wishing that the older generation would lighten up. Don't be wound so tight. The point of all this, we're different. You know, each generation is different. Each person is different. You know, we carry those differences with us in our, in our life day to day. But in those differences, in the body of Christ, we're called to be unified. We're called to be one in the body of Christ. In John 17, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his, with his disciples, and he prayed this prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, so as Jesus was approaching his time, the end of his time on earth, he knew it was coming. He prayed that God would help his disciples to be in unity. And further, he looked down the ages and he prayed for us to be in unity. And his reason for that was so that because of the unity people see in, in the body of Christ and Christians in, in our churches, that people would come to believe in him. So the challenge here is how do we do that across the vast differences in our generations. You know, I, I was looking this morning, and of course, this, you know, this has been on my heart, and I'm looking at our band this morning, and I'm guessing there were four generations up here, which I think is really cool, you know, to see four generations, at least three, but to see the generations working together for a common purpose, to to serve God, to glorify God, to, to worship Him, to lead us into worship. You know, if every generation digs in its heels on what they like, on their preferences, and doesn't, isn't open to changing, to maybe see the difference, you know, that maybe a younger generation brings, or the younger generation seeing the differences the things that maybe an older generation can carry. If we, don't, if we refuse to change, we just create division. 
And we look like everybody else on the planet. You know, we as Christians don't look any different. And we're called to be different. Um, I'm going to go through, give you three scriptures that talk about, you know, being unified as the, as the body of Christ and being set apart, being called to be set apart. John 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Think of that. We are God's special possession. What an awesome, what an awesome place to be. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 1 John 4.4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because the world who is in you, the one who is in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart as Christians. But as a body, we need to be unified. And so it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic to think about. You know, we hear a lot in our culture about the different generations and you know, there's, you know, social scientists and, you know, um, social uh, sociologists and psychologists and all these kind of people will list that there's seven, basically have identified seven generations today that, you know, are still, still, still alive today. Um, the greatest generation, you know, the early night from the early 1900s, the silent generation, the generation that went from um, went through the Great Recession or the Great Depression rather, and and the World Wars, the baby boom, the baby boom generation, and that's the generation I belong to. I'm 60. Um, you know, Gen Gen X, Generation X. You know, 1965 to 1980, the millennials, or Gen Y, <laughs> the Gen Zs, which are born 1997 to 2010, that's, you know, and then current generation is the, they call them the Gen Alphas from 2010 to 2024. You know, and they make a lot of characterizations and generalities about the different generations and the differences between the generations. But those differences, because of technology, um, are so much more pronounced today than they were, you know, with earlier generations. Um, you know, and so, and where we have those differences, we have the generation gap. You know, that's what the term they use is a generation gap. You know, we judge other, other generations and make generalizations, but here's what I want you to think about. You know, we look at another generation and we think, wow, I wish they would do this, or I wish they wouldn't do that. I hate this thing, you know. But ultimately, the question is, 
is what the other generation, pick one, is what they're doing or saying or their music or their clothes or their hairstyle or, you know, their literature or whatever, you know, pick your, pick your favorite thing. Is it violating God's word? Or is it just violating our personal sensibilities? Hmm. What about our own generation? You know, are the things my generation is putting out there, the things I'm putting out there, am I holding to God's standard? Just because it's different from me, just because people act differently or look differently or talk differently or you know, because of the, the difference in our ages, doesn't mean it's wrong. Go back to Pastor Tony's sermon. See, Tony, I'm listening. Um, last week, he talked about, he was preaching out of Matthew 7 um, on Sermon on the Mount, and his point was that God holds the standard, not us. God's standard is the only one that we, got, that we need to measure by. The gap between our generations can be is challenge is challenging. Not can be, it is. Um, and the challenge to communicate with one another. But as followers of God, as followers of Christ, our job is to bridge the gap to the generations, so that we can pass the baton to the next generation, for to carry out God's mission. I'm always amazed at how God puts things together um, and, and lines things up. You know, God gave me this topic several months ago, and I made a note of it and have been praying into it. And then last week, we hear testimony from the youth, you know, about God's activity in their midst in their prayer retreat. You know, and I'm thinking, well, that's really cool. God's you know, showing us how he's working in this generation, you know, the generation of our youth. And I'm going to take a slight pivot here. Hang on. We'll get back to my point here in just a minute. But to the youth that talked last week, man, keep what you experienced last weekend alive. Actively, aggressively, passionately pursue it every day. Don't let it go. Don't let it be a one-and-done thing, as often happens with, you know, with retreats like that. You know, you experience an emotional high, a spiritual high, and then three weeks later, you've forgotten. Don't forget. Hang on to it. Carry it with you outside your group, outside your youth group. Take it into your schools, into your homes, into your families. Bring it here. Share it with us. But you're going to have to work at it. If you, just, if you just think, okay, you know, just going to keep doing what we're doing, you're not going to maintain that passion. You know, Pastor Aaron um, closed out after the youth. His, his comment was, um, you know, Jesus' activity is for all generations. 
And it is. You know, God's mission, and consequently our mission, is for all the generations. doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It's for all of us. And the mission of the church is to seek and save the lost, just as Jesus did. We should use every tool, every method, every means possible to do that. We need to be doing anything except sin to reach the lost. And what that looks like in your life, you know, in your circumstance, work it out with God. You know, God has been up to something from the very beginning. He's doing something bigger than us. And he's been doing it in all of the generations that preceded us. He's going to do it in all the generations that come after us until Jesus comes. The question for each of us, how am I going to lead someone from a later generation, you know, from those younger than me, how am I going to lead them to be part of God's mission? And how am I going to help somebody from an older generation be part of God's mission? We're called to do both. We've got to bridge those gaps between the generations, those older than us and those younger than us. In Titus 2, there's a, there's a series of verses I'm going to read, we're going to read through. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that none, that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may not be ashamed, because they have that those who oppose you may be ashamed. Because they have nothing bad to say about us. That's a lofty goal. But that's, you know, that's what was being taught. You know, that's what he was saying was, we've got to be above the point where anybody can say anything bad about us. It was a command to each generation to encourage the generations that followed them to live right. You know, in general, people don't want us just to tell them what to do. Most people want us to, want us to do it, show them how to do it. You know, there's the phrase of, you know, walk your talk. I used to harp on this with our, you know, when I was teaching children's church with our, you know, with the other leaders and stuff, you know. If you're in a position where people are watching, you know, if you're in a position of leadership especially, people are watching to see what you're doing. Now, unfortunately, in our 
culture. I think a lot of times people are watching to wait for you to screw up so that they can say, oh, look, look what they did. But look, for, look to be the example. Um, you know, far too often the older generation, you know, and you figure out which generation you fit into and, you know, you, you, we all have generations that are older than us. We all have generations that are younger than us. Um, you know, what God expects of the older men and women is a willingness to come alongside the younger ones and work with them, invest in them, show them the way. But the flip side of that is the younger generation has to be willing to accept it. Says we can we can help and teach and lead and all those kind of things, but if the younger generation doesn't want to follow, isn't open to following, then what's the point? We have to be engaged. We have to be engaged with each of the generations, those older than us and those younger than us. And build that, build those bridges. Let me be clear, you know, the verses in Titus that talk about the older generations teaching and leading and, you know, you know, the writer wasn't saying that those who are older can't learn from the younger generation. That wasn't the point. You know, in, in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, Paul was encouraging a young Timothy that he had a gift and a blessing from God. And in spite of his age, he needed to fulfill his call. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. For the younger generation... You know, again, you, you, you figure out where you fit in that younger generation application. Um, the same encouragement holds true today that Paul gave to Timothy. You know, use what God has put in your life to reach any and all generations. Don't hold it back because of your age. You know, as I said, all of us have generations that came before us, and we all have generations that are coming after us, you know, and go, make the logical leap that as we get older, there's more generations behind us, you know, that are looking to us for leadership and guidance and help, you know, and kind of, again, to the youth, to the younger generation, you know, the the probably the Gen Z generation, the 15 to 30-year-olds, what I would say to you is, you know, the generation alpha, the ones that are 0 to 14, those are the ones who are probably looking the hardest at the generation older than them, you know, because they're at a very impressionable point in their life that's going to shape them as they get older. But they're looking to you to see, 
what should I be doing? These are the people I want to be like. You know, so what are you, what are you modeling to them? What are we modeling to the generations behind us? You know, the acts of impressing and teaching and training are a lot more than talking. You know, they need to be done in a gentle and loving way. And we need to do them in a way that, as God intends, that we worship together, we fellowship together, we work together, work side by side in ministry, um, develop personal relationships with each other. You know, for us older folks, develop relationships with the younger with the younger ones. For you younger guys and girls, see what you can learn from some of us older folks. Believe it or not, we're not stupid. <laughs> I remember as a kid, I remember being a teenager and you know, young adult thinking, boy, mom and dad, you really just don't get it. And now as, a, as a, a dad and a granddad, I go, boy, mom and dad, you really did get it. <laughs> you know? So the relationships we build with the generations, across the generations, those are the things that make the, the, the bridge, you know, that bridge the generation gap and make it passable. But you know what? We can't do any of this if we don't engage. We don't actively do it. You know, just like I said to the, to the youth about, you know, you've got to actively pursue this stuff. We can't do any of this if we don't actively go after it. You know, the older women can't help the younger women, can't teach them if, if they're not working together. The men can't train the younger men in the, you know, how to be leaders, how to be husbands and fathers if we aren't working side by side. You know, if we're not in, it, in relationships with each other, we can't really even talk about what God's doing. We can't talk about God's love and what, you know, what God is leading us to. Let me give you a personal example from my own life um, that'll illustrate this to you. And, and you can check this out. Connie's in the nursery. My wife is in the nursery. And you can check this out with her and She'll bear out what I'm, what I'm telling you here. You know, from the time I was 18 until sometime in my mid-30s probably, I was involved with a Christian bus ministry called Christians in Action, or what we called Links. Um, you know, it was long before the pub, Orlando's public transport system called Links. Um, but this was a, a group of volunteers. We weren't paid. We weren't, you know, we were just people trying to reach, reach kids. We met weekly for prayer, study, fellowship. We, we talked about the ministry. Um, it, was a, it was men and women of all ages that we ministered together on weekends. We take groups, you know, we pick up a group on Friday night at, you know, 6 p.m. and We'd go to the mountains and go whitewater rafting or climbing or hiking or skiing or we'd go to the Keys sometimes during the summer. Um, all the time we were with them. You know, that 
6 a.m. 6 p.m. on Friday night to 4 a.m. Monday morning. You know, we'd get them home in time to go to school and for us to get back to work. And um, all the while, we're trying to teach them and show them Jesus. Show them, hey, you can be a Christian and have a good time. You can have fun doing things together as Christians. Now, for me personally, and here's, here's the rub in this. For me personally, I had a great time doing that stuff. I mean... Whitewater rafting was a blast. I loved snow skiing. I loved, you know, I loved all the hiking and climbing and stuff like that. But the ministry to kids was so cool. And then for me personally, you know, I was in fellowship with guys and gals that were, you know, mostly older than me. Some of them old enough to be my parents, you know. But that time of fellowship and mentoring, you know, both being on the receiving end of mentoring and being on the giving end of mentoring um, and worship and serving together and learning and teaching, it was a significant time of growth in my Christian life. You know, I was a young, young husband, a young father when I started it, got involved in this. Um, and those people help shape our marriage and our life together. And so it's so important to reach the generation, you know, to reach across the generations and not stay within, just don't just think that's just the youth that are the only ones that can teach you, you know. Reach across the generations. You know, we have multiple opportunities in our church um, for these acts of, you know, from Titus of impressing the other generations and teaching and training. You know, we have Sunday morning services. We have Tuesday morning and Thursday evening prayer. We have men of honor. We have women of honor. We have ladies' life, youth group, house churches, and probably some that I missed. I know there's some Groups that meet together in the homes that aren't formally recognized as our as part of our house church structure, and that's okay. The point is, you guys are meeting together and growing together. You know, the writer of Hebrews has a message to the early church about meeting together. In Hebrews ten, verses twenty four and twenty five, it said, "Let us consider how we may spur one another." on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Colossians 3, 15-17 let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Um, and throughout these verses, we're instructed to love one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, bear one another, bear one another's burdens, sorry, and build up one another. Oh, and it doesn't say just your generation. Bear one, you know, build up one another across the generations. You know, the phrase one another is used about 45 times, best I could figure out, in the context, specifically in the context of our relationship to other believers. And regardless of what generation you fall into, you're part of those one another's. So where it says, you know, love one another, love one another across the generations. Pray for one another. Pray for one another across the generations. You know, these are responsibilities that we have to each other, responsibilities we have to each generation. The ones before us and the ones after us. We're called to unity, peace with one another, being members of one body. We're called to let the message of Christ dwell among us. We're called to teach and admonish one another for how to live. We're called to worship, sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. We're called to serve in the name of Jesus. Whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Across the generations. You know, I'm convinced, and hopefully you're convinced, that we're supposed to gather together. We're supposed to build each other up. You know, to edify others who might need it. And for us to get lifted up when we need it. And that's why we have house churches, so that we can be these things to each other as we gather in a smaller setting than this. You know, as, as Tony pointed out, you know, on Sunday mornings, you know, 180 to 200 of us, it's, it's pretty difficult to, you know, to orchestrate some of these things happening because it's just too many of us. The only way we can do it is if we get together in smaller groups. You know, we certainly want our house churches to be a place of encounter with God, a place where we're loving people, a place where we're sharing our lives. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. We all have different callings. And we each have a role in building the church. Do you know what your role is? Do you know? you don't, house church is a good place to explore it. You know, you got a small group that you can kind of work through it with. Um, if we'll take advantage of the opportunities, we can work on building the bridges across the generations. As I said before, we have to engage. We have to actively pursue it. It's not just going to happen if we're just, if we're staying at home. You know, 
sitting there by ourselves. Oh, and by the way, I didn't see anywhere in these verses uh, from, from Hebrews or Colossians where it says, you know, get together if you feel like it. Or get together if it's not too inconvenient. I don't think it's an option. I don't think we have the option to, to not engage with each other. I think that's a command from the Lord. Um, uh, I want to introduce our house church leaders. And I, I, brief, I emailed them earlier this week and said, hey, you know, I'm going to introduce you and I want you to share a couple of minutes about why you do it, why it's important to you. Um, and we've got five house churches that are, you know, identified in our house church structure. And, but I know there's a couple others that meet informally that aren't, you know, identified as a part of our house churches. Um, but let me introduce the ones that, that we know of for sure. Um, and give them those couple of minutes. Uh, Tim and Anna Fetterman, you guys come up when you're, if you want. Tim and Anna's group meets here uh, on Wednesday, on the first and third Wednesday nights here at church. Uh, Gary and Bonnie Stebbins. Their group meets here on Thursday nights at the church, and let me throw this out there. If, you are, if you're willing to host a house church in your home, you know, I, I, I spoke to Gary beforehand, he would prefer to have his group in a home, in, in somebody's house, but his house is, you know, can't accommodate it at the moment. So, you know, he, he said if, if anybody's willing to host his house church in their home, He'll still lead, but you provide the place for it. Um, and if, if you're open to doing that, you know, you pray through it. And if you're open to doing that, let the church office know. Um, Barbara Girdley. Barbara leads a group that meets on the second and the fourth Sunday afternoons over in Melbourne Beach. Nathan and Emily White. Nathan and Emily lead the Young Adults and Young Families House Church. Uh, they meet, this group meets here on the first and third Tuesday evenings here in the sanctuary. And then my wife Connie and I lead a group that meets um, in West Melbourne at Dave and, Dave and Stephanie Ewan's house on the first and third Wednesday nights. So let, I'm going to just let each of them speak for just a couple of minutes uh, about, you know, why they, why they do it. Why do they have a heart for house churches? Why it's important to them? So back in like 1991, 92, um, Anna and I were baby Christians. Um, 
just started going to this church. And we decided to go to a house church. Um, at the time, it was led by Don and Mary Patterson, who uh, used to go here. And so um, over the years, we've met a lot of friends, still friends that are in the group now, um, Keith and Kathy Carroll, Brian Walsh. Um, a lot of people have come and gone. But, um, you know, it's, we've developed lifelong friendships there. And like around 2005 sometime, we ended up taking over the group. So the group's been going on for a long time. Um, and God keeps bringing new people. We love to meet new people. Um, we try to be a spirit-led group. Um, so we do a lot of different things. Um, we do studies sometimes, videos or books. Um, we do testimony weeks where we have people come and just share what God's doing. Um, we do worship weeks. Um, some of our favorite meetings are the meetings where we eat, <laughs> have a dinner. <laughs> Um, but uh, it's, it's just really about meeting people, growing together, and uh, developing friendships that go on forever. Yes, our heart really is to get to know people. Not You can't do it coming in and out of church. There's, there's just too much going on. So getting to know people and having them be real and authentic is, is part of our goal. And what, right now we're having people share their updated testimonies of their life. We just had Karen and Bob share, and they have quite an amazing testimony of being married three years after um, a death and a divorce. So um, we have a very diversified group, too. Um, we're always surprised uh, by who God brings to us. It's always amazing to us. And we just love on one another. It's really about um, sharing what God is doing in our lives and what God is saying through dreams and words and um, experiences. Uh, and it brings a greater fullness to our lives. Yes, and we do pray for one another a lot. Amen. My name is Gary, my wife, Bonnie. Um, our house church, as Dean mentioned, meets on the first and third Thursdays at 7 p.m. back in the Kingdom Club or the children's area. Uh, we are consist primarily at this point of uh, married couples with a few singles. Uh, we do welcome children, though we don't have any at the moment, um, though we don't have child care. Children are welcome to come and sit quietly in the meeting. Uh, our, my main passion for a house church is to build relationships around the Word of God. Uh, to discuss the Word of God together, that might be, mean go, digging deeper into a Sunday morning service, or it might mean uh, some topic uh, we are interested in. But the, the goal is to dig deeper into God's Word, but in the context of building relationships with one another. It is amazing to me, as we discuss the Word of God together, the insight different people have. And um, there's so much to be gleaned by listening to one another talk about what they see in the scriptures. And so that's, that's part of our goal. We will also take time to uh, pray for one another. Uh, I think it's good for people to have an opportunity to use their gifting, whether in a time of prayer for someone in the group, uh, if they have a prophetic word or word of wisdom, word of knowledge, begin to exercise those gifts and use them to build up the body of Christ. And uh, we have snacks. <laughs> 
there's also a booklet in the on the wall in the foyer with all of the house churches listed in it and contact information. So if you wanted to contact one of us ahead of time, if you wanted to ask some questions or um, just want to let us know you're coming, make sure we're, we're meeting or whatever, uh, you can pick up one of those booklets and uh, it'll have more information in there. I don't know if it has maps or not, but it has addresses and places that we're meeting in there. My name is Barbara, and as I said, I'm over on the beach. And so you have to come over to the causeway if you want to fellowship with us. And I, too, am amazed at how God works through this, you know, and the people that come. And I have people that are all ages. I have couples, and I have people that are from other churches. God just sends them. I don't know how. <laughs> so, I, but I love having them. And I, as I've done this... Um, I have realized the gifts that God has given me. For years, I wondered, you know, what are my gifts? I don't know. <laughs> I had a husband who knew. He always knew. God said, teach my word. He taught his word. And the scripture that we use was, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If we truly believe that and we seek him first, then we do what he says, and we're blessed, and life comes. You want life, you want success, it comes just from that, seeking him first, spending time with him, and then the, the, this fellowship's first, and then this fellowship develops, and our gifts come out, and we're all blessed. So we are blessed to be a blessing. So I welcome you if you'd like to come. My name is Nathan White. Uh, my wife Emily's in the nursing mother's room with our four-week-old uh, Levi. Mm -hmm. yeah, I know. Uh, so we, uh, our young adults and young families group, meets on the first and third Tuesdays of the month uh, here at the church at 6 p.m. Uh, we did really dive into the study at about seven, but we try to fellowship for a bit first. We don't have snacks yet, but we're looking into it. Uh, but we, we're really passionate about this group. We wanted to start this group before, we, before the pastors even talked to us. And um, really, the, the passion behind it is twofold. It is, of course, community for young adults and young families who can sometimes feel disconnected or just feel not even disconnected, but just not connected yet sometimes with the church that they're in, whether they grew up there or they're new there, uh, that disconnect of if you've known someone since they were five, sometimes you don't treat them like the 35-year-old they are. I don't know if you've ever experienced that on either side of the issue, but you know. Uh, but also the passion that I've had ever since I was a teenager in youth group for having big questions about the word and wanting them answered, even though no one wants to hear about it. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Tony, me coming up to you in the foyer when I was like 15, 16, and being like, so who is Melchizedek? I need more explanation. He didn't give me an answer. I didn't understand until later. That's because it would have taken hours. <laughs> but there is an answer. Uh, but so we, we talk about a wide, ranging, uh, a wide range of topics. Um, so far, some of the things we've covered include uh, ghosts, uh, what is salvation, uh, and all of the interesting, controversial questions that can come with that. How do you get it? Can you lose it? What actually is it? Um, 
uh, and and uh, we're going through some spiritual warfare and prophecy, kind of bouncing, bouncing back and forth between those right now. Uh, leading up to Christmas, we were talking about the various, the many, many, many prophecies of Jesus' birth that were fulfilled. Some that the Jews knew about and were waiting for, and others they didn't realize until afterwards. Uh, but that's the passion of the group, is to create community and connection for those for that age group, and also dive in to those deeper weirder, harder to find the answer things in the, in the Bible, even on topics that might seem simple on the surface like salvation, uh, but of course are not because <laughs> there's, there's so much to it. Uh, but yeah, that's, our, that's our passion. That's what we're doing. And we we're also passionate about making sure that it was accessible to young families, which is why we made sure we did not start the group until we had childcare from day one. So if you are a young family, you've got kids, you want to come, let us know it would be great, but we're going to have childcare there for you uh, either way. Thank you all. Thank you so much. You know, I... I, I so appreciate these men and women who give their, you know, give their time and talent and efforts and energies to to help and lead our house churches, you know, to lead in these groups. And uh, I've been a part of a house church for a long time, you know, for, oh, let me, let me speak to my house church real quick. Um, our group meets on the first and third Wednesday nights. We meet at, uh, in a house in West Melbourne at Dave and, Dave and Stephanie Ewan, open up their home to us to meet there at their house. And, you know, our typical our typical meeting is, you know, for the first 15 minutes or so while we're waiting for everybody to get there, you know, fellowship and just hanging out, talking about what's going on, what everybody's up to. Then um, Dave does has has done some set aside some worship videos that we watch and we we worship, and um, and then we we typically will talk through the the lesson. The, the sermon from the week before, or the previous couple of weeks, and and then uh, we pray together, you know, take prayer requests and keep track of them, and we sh we share. I email them out to the group, and every week, and you know, the following next time we get together, we go, okay, so how are we doing with this one? And you know, so we're we're holding each other accountable to be praying for each other. Um, and lastly, we have snacks and fellowship. Um, you know, I've been doing house churches for a long time, been, you know, both as, as a member of a house church and, you know, as a leader of a house church. And I would strongly encourage you, if you're not in one, to check them out. You know, Bonnie said about the, the thing that's out in the foyer, the booklet that's out there. You know, look them up. You've heard from the, the leaders you know, see if there's one that fits your, you know, that fits for you. You know, visit the different house churches. You know, we're always open to anybody coming and, and visiting with us. And, you know, if you, it's a good fit for you, then, you know, plug in. If it's not, go visit another one. Find one that fits for you. The important part about it is that you plug in and it to a group that's helping you to fulfill your call. Um, to fulfill your call and 
building God's house, doing God's mission. Um, you know, as you heard, you know, we're, we're vastly different personalities leading the groups. You know, we meet in different places at different times. And I would speculate that no two groups are alike. Um, you know, and I would think you could find one that will work for you. To those of you already in house churches, I commend you. I, uh, rec- you know, encourage you to continue. To our house church leaders, I say thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of the pastors and elders. Um, you know, you guys are doing a great, great service to our, to our church, to our body. Uh, we appreciate the, the expenditures that you make to do it. We appreciate the investment in the hearts of our people that you make. My final word of encouragement to everybody, you know, we're, we're meant to lead others to blessings. You know, don't judge or dismiss or close out the other generations just because they're different than you. We have to be, you know, we we all have to be a part of reaching across those generations. And we need to be actively, and there's, again, you know, I keep saying this, we have to be actively doing this. We have to be actively building the bridge across the generation gaps. That's all I got. All right. Thanks, Dean. Well, it's just as well we're out of time. All right. So, to sum up, very clear, uh, we believe. Every, every believer, every Christian should be a part of a local church because the local church isn't our idea, it's God's, uh, right? And every believer should be in some way a part of some small relational group where it will be noticed if you're not there. Uh, if you can leave church and no one knows, you probably aren't doing it right. Someone should miss you. Amen? So we want to build relationships. So... Uh, we'll keep working this. If some of you are interested in going, I know we've talked to a couple of people that might be interested in having a house church. Talk to us. We'll talk about it. Uh, if you've not been to one, then go. Uh, here's the beautiful thing. If you like talking about yourself and you go to a house church, at least once, they'll let you do that. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of the times. All right. All right. Praise God. Well, Lord, we ask you to send your people out with blessing. We thank you so much that you are knitting our hearts together, that you are building us up together into a spiritual house as a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. So, Lord, we, we want whatever connections we need to make you able to fully dwell in us. Lord, bless your people. Connect your people. In the name of Jesus, amen.